The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the show. Uh, As I record this, it is Tuesday morning, and in about uh, 12 hours or so, I'm going to be getting on a plane heading to Essen, Germany for BMXNet this weekend. I'm going to be doing a uh, doth class, date class, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to be doing a marking workshop with Kale Belford and Elaine Angel, which is uh, just cool to say out loud. Uh, And I'll be doing a scarification workshop. BMXNet is the only place in the world where I teach scarification classes. Uh, So it should be a really good weekend. Then after that, I'm going to head over to Croatia for a few days. Uh, One piercer that I will be seeing over there will be an American piercer named Shorty from Florida. Shorty will be over there as a vendor, and uh, I'll be happy to to see him over there. But Shorty was actually out at my studio kind of recently. Shorty was in New England for some family reasons and wanted to stop off at a few different APP studios to kind of check out the layout for any sort of future shop plans you might have. So it's cool to have Shorty in the shop for a little while. Uh, He crashed at my place, and we recorded a little podcast for you. Uh, We talk about a couple different things, uh, studio layout for sure, and uh, the referral system that Shorty does. Shorty is a piercer who's really adamant on collecting lots of other piercers' business cards and making sure that they have his. So if you ever have those clients who are saying, well, I'm not from here, or I'm going off to school and such and such location, you can just kind of say, hey, you know, go check out this person right there. Safe jewelry, good sterilization. You can talk to them for whatever you might need. Then we kind of start to get into the deep end a little bit. We talk about sterile gloves. Uh, We both use sterile gloves, but we have uh, somewhat of a different opinion about uh, whether they should be minimum standards for piercing or not. So we talk about that a little bit. Friendly debate. Uh, and we are, you know, we're both on the pro sterile glove side, so it's not really much of a debate, uh, but we do have a, a slight difference of opinion for uh, the, the way we talk about them. Uh, and then lastly, we talk about septum piercings. Uh, Shorty is one of the, the piercers that I know who's chosen to not offer septum piercings. Uh, doesn't really feel like, you know, he's the septum piercing uh, person to go to in, in his area. Maybe it's a, a confidence issue. Maybe it's a technique issue, whatever it is. Uh, you're not alone, Shorty. I know plenty of other piercers out there, myself included, who get real nervous uh, when it comes to septum piercings. So we talk about that in, in pretty nice detail. Uh, and then I also want to uh, drop in a little bit of information about a really important scholarship coming up. I know we just kind of got home from conference in Vegas. But, you know, like the day after conference is when you start working on the next conference, basically. So uh, there are going to be a few different scholarships coming up. I'll be part of the panel selecting people for the official APP scholarship, the LD Sowers scholarship. Uh, that'll be opening up sometime around the end of the year, maybe early in 2020. But there are some other alternative scholarships. There's the No Excuses Scholarship. Uh, I'm not sure if there'll be an Andromeda Scholarship uh, for Piercer Babes this year, but I know there has been in previous years. But uh, this week I have a piercer named Cookie Knox on the show to talk about the Piercers of Color Scholarship. Uh, 
There is kind of a, a, a deadline looming for donations. So if you want to contribute and uh, add to the pool of the Piercers of Color scholarship, you do need to get your donation in before the end of September 2019. So I just want to put it out there. Uh, I really wanted to get Cookie on the show. It was a little bit tough to schedule uh, between uh, her work commitments and you know my work and travel commitments, but we got something recorded. Uh, so you can learn a little bit about the scholarship. Uh, I'm going to put the link for the uh, donations in the description of this show. It will also be on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page, and it'll also be on the piercingwizardpodcast.com website. But uh, think about donating. Uh, scholarships are really, really important, and uh, anything that we can do to get additional piercers out to conference is just going to be good for the industry. So let's get into this short talk about scholarships with Cookie Knox, and then we're just going to jump right into the conversation with Shorty, and I'll be back a little bit at the end and kind of shill my seminars and stuff. Hey, uh, I'm Cookie. I work at Body Manipulations out in San Francisco. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Pierced by Cookie, and Cookie is going to be with a K. So I was uh, I was out by Philly last week or the week before, uh, and I met up with my friend Ed, and we were talking about different opportunities people can get in the industry and. Uh, things like scholarships and mentoring came around and he mentioned a new scholarship that you're going to be starting this year and I just wanted to kind of get you on to to talk about it a little bit so um, does it have does it have a name you know like the no excuses or the Andromeda or something does does this scholarship have a name yeah so um, if you want to abbreviate it and call it the POC scholarship or the Pierces of Color scholarship um, I went to my first conference a couple years back in 2017 um, and I just noticed that it was pretty homogenous. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of people who looked like me. Um, I'm an African-American female, so um, I just wanted to put something out there to kind of help initiate and help encourage people to want to come. That's great. I, I, I completely get it that uh, all the faces tend to look pretty similar at a conference. Not a lot of representation uh, for for different ethnicities and uh, different social groups. So I, I would really like to encourage anyone uh, listening uh, that uh, there are, are opportunities to uh, donate to this scholarship this year, but you have kind of a, a, a short deadline coming up, right? Yeah, totally. There's about 20 days left to donate for it. Um, so we're nearing the close. Initially, I thought, you know, just send two attendees because the way we're doing it, um, I'm crowdfunding it. I crowdfunded it through PayPal. So I kind of put an open thing out there and said, hey, it's a donation pool. Anybody who wants to put it in. I thought it'd be really cool to have it be like a community based funded thing. So everyone is pretty involved. Um, and it's had really good feedback so far. Initially, I wanted to, I asked for 1800 that would cover two piercers, five days at Planet Hollywood, um, and possibly some flight assistance. But in 70 days, we've raised almost $4,300. Wow. Uh, so now we can actually send four people full scholarship. We can pay for two rooms to stay um, and definitely flight, assist, uh, flight assistance. And we're also looking at possibly food stipends for the week. Because um, Vegas can get pretty expensive once yeah. you add everything up and time away from work and everything like that. Um, the applications will be going out. Uh, I'll be sending them out through Facebook, email to studios. Still thinking about how to reach everyone. Hopefully the podcast will help with that. Um, it'll just be a written application. There will be a section to include a video or photos so we can get to know people a little better. Um, and there will be three people kind of helping me 
go through and uh, get through applications. Eduardo's going to be helping Eduardo Chavaria and Stephanie Mariano. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, I've been involved with the uh, the LD scholarships for the last few years, and you can really see how much it impacts someone's career. I mean, it can be like really life changing. A lot of times, piercers. They really want to get out to Vegas. You know, maybe they don't really have the opportunity to get there on their own. And, and something like this, being that helping hand to, to bring them out there, can make such a huge impact on people's lives. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. And it really helps, too, to have people you already know at conference because it is crowdfunded. You know, you might say something like, hey, I'm on the POC scholarship. And you never know who might be around you. Like, hey, I donated to that. I'm glad you're here. Or, hey, have you heard of this company? Or, hey, are you looking for an opportunity? And I'm really hoping that that's what will happen. It'll kind of bring everyone together and, you know, talk, get more conversation out about it, get more people going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fantastic. So if people wanted to uh, donate, how would they do that? So the PayPal pool link is up on Facebook. I've put in the body modification learning forums, the Piercer of Color forums, the Piercer Babe forums. Um, anybody can totally feel free to reach out to me if they're looking to donate or apply. Um, again, on Instagram, you can find me at Pierce by Cookie with a K. On Facebook, you can find me at Cookie Knox. Um, and just feel free to shoot me a message or send me an email or anything like that. Um, I really want to reach as many people as possible. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about the scholarship. Totally. Thank you for the opportunity again. You're welcome. Anytime. Go ahead and introduce yourself first. I'm Shorty. I own a shop in West Palm Beach, Florida. Shorty's uh, Fine Jewelry and Piercing. Uh, it's located inside of Ink and Pistons Tattoo. That's it? That's the whole thing? What, what, Do you what, have any, any social media information? Uh, I'm Shorty Piercer on pretty much everything. Facebook is... You can look me up on Shorty Piercer. Uh, the shop has its own Shorty's Fine Jewelry and Piercings. I'm uh, Shorty Piercer on Instagram. Piercingsbyshorty.com is my website. All right, we get it. We get it. What's your name again? Shorty. Shorty. Uh, so you're in uh, New Hampshire doing family stuff, and you're stopping by a couple different shops to just get ideas on logistics and, and layout and stuff like that. Uh, yep. So give me the give me a little bit of criticism about my place. What, what did you like, and what would you improve? Uh, I mean, honestly, your shop is great. I don't really think that Thanks. I would improve Thanks. on Thanks, that's anything. exactly the answer I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that really struck me that stood out, uh, and it's just a, a personal thing of mine, is like how low the ceilings are. Yeah. Um, which is weird, because I'm short. Right. So normally that'd be something, you know, exciting, but yeah. I feel like when you have low ceilings, because I've worked in shops with like... 12 foot ceilings yeah. for most of my career it feels like more confined Tight. Almost. yeah yeah the the reason why is because my my building like 150 years ago was residential uh and then they have all these different support beams in the ceiling and they could only give me so much space and they had to put in a drop ceiling yeah because of all the other guts that they had to put up in there so like that's that's what i got with and they wanted to have it actually be six inches lower than it is now, which would have drove, drove me nuts, but I, bet. I got what I could. But yeah, I'd say I'd say if there was anything about my studio that I don't like right now, it's I would love to have higher ceilings and I would love to have different flooring. Yeah. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I mean, the flooring that. wasn't that bad. It's just you know pretty DCT. generic. Yeah, like I mean that whole like supermarket looking floor that a lot of places have. Yeah. Like for me, when I go into when I go into shops, 
I can kind of notice how much money they had for their build out on like a couple different things. Like what do they have for plumbing? What do they have for flooring? What did they choose for like, you know, artistic embellishments, things like that. And like my pla my place, I'd say the, the quickest thing that you would notice as to looking cheap would be the floor. Yeah. Because I just, I ran out of money and I had to do VCT. We, uh, we have that epoxy. Mm. It's like a two part epoxy where you like paint the floor and then you do something else. And yeah. And you like sprinkle this magic stuff on it and mm. it makes these weird patterns mm. kind of like marbly except ours looks uh, we call it like meteorite because it looks like uh, asteroids or something mm. it's pretty cool uh, I just did a, that seminar at Matt Bonantono shop Freya yeah. like a couple days yeah, ago yeah I think he's got the same thing he has the coolest floor yeah. I've ever seen yep, in a studio that's, it that's how ours looks is. like golden takes polished it, granite or something yeah it takes mm. a lot of abuse too which is good yeah. especially for you know if you're doing tattoos and stuff mm -hmm. you know dropping ink or using harsh cleansers and yeah. chairs rolling across across the floor constantly yeah upstairs the tattoo booths are already like pretty destroyed because we you know we try to keep up on buffing and polishing and obviously like you know the daily mopping and all that stuff but still having those roller chairs going across the floors yeah, constantly just all day yeah just, that's one thing i've learned over the past 20 years of like being in this industry just seeing the different floors mm. And, like, it seems like nothing really holds up. But this yeah. has been pretty good so far. You know what I would love in an ideal... Like, if I got to build a place from the ground up, I would just want polished concrete. That's all I would want. That stuff's invincible. That's close to what ours is. Yeah. I mean, but it started out as... Um, I can't remember what it's called. But it's some crushed-up coral stuff that's big in Florida that mm. back in the day was, like, super popular. Yeah. I'm totally blanking out what it is, but the, uh, you know, then they came through and I guess they poured concrete on top of it mm -hmm. and, and then, uh, we did the whole epoxy thing on top of that. So yeah, it works out pretty good. We like it. Whatever works. So for like the stuff that you're, you're planning out for your like future endeavors, do you have like wish list stuff for, for like a shop build out ideally? Uh, I mean, I do, but it, it kind of varies depending on, you know, like I have things in my mind. I have locations in my mind of what I would like or where I would like to be or how I would like it to be laid out. Uh, the problem with Florida is it's so cookie cutter and so pre-planned that everything is the same. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the one thing that I like about being up here is everything's very unique. Even yeah. your shop. I mean, it's like, it used to be a house, you know, there's not, you're not going to walk into another business anywhere any probably in the in the country that's going to be laid out or look anything like your shop right whereas like for me it's probably gonna you know eventually if i open my own place it's probably going to be something in a, a strip mall or you know it's going to be a very long rectangular mm. with very three boxy. walls yeah three yeah. walls and then a front of nothing but glass windows you know like, yeah i mean there's I, only so I mean, much creativity you can get with that totally i i've seen a lot of those shops you know and yeah, you can you can tell when the the piercers really want to make something different, and inside looks amazing, but the outside always looks, looks so, the same. Yep. Always looks the yep. same. It always just looks like a strip mall with like a generic sign yep. and a big glass window where you drive by, and it could be a tax office or it could be a coffee shop or yep. it could be a piercing place, but you, you never really know until you walk through the door. Yeah. So I mean, the the number one thing I think for me is just you know obviously good location. But I want it to be unique. I want it to be inviting. I want it to be fun on the outside. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know what fun is, but, you know, I don't, I don't right. know. I want it to look like yeah. somebody so it doesn't loves to be all here, the other you know? competition. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not just the same strip mall rectangle box mm -hmm. thing that 
you yeah. know, where you walk in and there's like a hallway going down the right side and three or four rooms going down the left side and a front counter, you mm -hmm. know, like I just don't really want that whole yeah. layout. That's uh, kind of what we had at our old place. You know, it was, we had generic frontage. You'd go in, there'd be the front desk and then there'd just be that long hallway with yeah. everything off of that long hallway. And yeah. not, not to knock that because that can be a really efficient use of space. Absolutely. But it's a really generic use of space with, with our industry. So yeah, anything you can do to kind of differentiate yourself from like all the other shops, because you got to think of a, of a client is just like walking into shops to check them out and yours looks exactly like 10 other shops in the area, how are they going to remember like, okay, I got to go to this one and not this one yeah. when it's just like, man, they all look the same. It doesn't I mean, really matter. I hope that, you know, the, the reason they're coming to me in the first place is because they got a good referral yeah. or I had a good review or, you know, yeah. because it's me and my name. But, right. Um, so hopefully they wouldn't go to another, sh you know, a yeah. shop, but it is well, what it is. So like, you know, to kind of pivot to another subject, like I've been really frustrated lately because, uh, okay, I think it's the same frustrations that a lot of other shops have. You have the wall of certificates. You know, you have <laughs> like, hey, I've been doing this forever. I care about it. I'm constantly doing continuing education. I'm constantly trying to better myself. Uh, I have all this jewelry that I like these companies bend over backwards to make and I bend over backwards to, to get it and to manage it and blah, blah, blah all the sterilization, all these different things. And then people just like, they don't care. And they Yeah, don't. okay, cool. Yeah. You have, is this all you have? Right, yeah. Is this all, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, Can I well, get this smaller? I'm looking for something in the $30 range. What yeah. do you, you know, it's like, I, I had that conversation with, with a person today. They came in, they were looking at the gold case and saying like, oh, this is amazing. I've, I've never been to a shop with this many options and I never knew that you could do this and do that. And I went to this other place and all they gave me was just a plain ring. And I was like, awesome, we can do whatever you want today. And then, uh, you know, they started to get a little apprehensive, starting to kind of like nibble around like pricing questions. And I was like, you know, uh, if, you, if you just tell me whatever your comfortable budget is, I can tell you everything that fits your budget. And then we sure. can just look at that stuff. And they were like, well, you know, I was looking to spend no more than like 40 or 45. And I used to get really freaked out by that and just be like, uh, I obviously can't do that. Look, I, this is precision body. <laughs> you know, and like get get all huffy. And now yeah. I just try to tell people, well, you know, just to be honest, you know, like everything that we do in our studio with jewelry is probably going to start somewhere in the more like the 70 to $80 range. Sure. And my opinion is that uh, if you want to do a 40 to $45 piercing, you have to cut corners somewhere to do it. Sure. You know, and maybe you're cutting your own corner by saying like, I, maybe I won't charge a piercing fee or a minimal piercing fee. But realistically, it's they're not buying fancy sterilizers. They're not yeah. buying. It's not that they have to buy ultra fancy jewelry, but like, you know minimum standard by like APP anyway air quotes minimum sure. standard jewelry uh, and I had just had to level with the person and I was like I, I can't do that uh, in, a, in a way that I would consider safe but somebody like that they walk through my door and they don't know the difference between me or any other shop and I have to constantly like re-educate people which I don't mind I actually love it it's a big part mm -hmm. of my job but still it's just somewhere in the back of my mind where it's like, but can't you see that I'm trying so much harder right? than these other places? Yeah. Like, just give me the benefit so of a doubt. So you walked in and you saw you had all these options and you realized immediately that we were different from that other shop that yeah. we were just talking about. Right. So this is why we're different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, different is better, but sometimes different can also be an obstacle that you have to work around because sometimes you're so different than other shops that you have to completely like change the way that they think about it. I had another client, just, just to even use examples from just today, uh, a client came in, they got pierced by us, um, but they, uh, 
they kind of defaulted to previous aftercare generations mm-hmm. where they said like, you know, oh no, I don't need to get any saline. I have aftercare product at home. But it was it was Claire's aftercare. You know, and then they came in today and their their piercing was angry and I was like, okay, it's a cartilage piercing. Have you been sleeping on it? Okay, no, you've been sleeping on this other. Okay, what have you been putting on it? Oh, you've been putting Claire's ear care solution on it. Okay, well, you know, we have this aftercare packet that we gave you and we do a speech and Evan does the same speech as I do, so I know that they got the right information. And it's, you know, on the back page it says, here's the list of things to please don't ever put these on your piercing. Just yeah. do this, just do saline. Uh, and then they were just kind of like looking at me and it was like this thing where it's like, man, we gave you the information, we gave you the jewelry, you had it done in the right environment and we still didn't get good results. And it's like, it's just, it's so difficult sometimes because people just default to the sure. information so they've seen they their, know, their whole done, lives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, we get that too, same thing. You know, I, I go over aftercare very thoroughly. Um, I am a big firm believer in uh, making myself available to people as mm-hmm. needed so that way if there is a problem, you know, obviously 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to answer you. But yeah. text me, call me, Facebook, email, Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, all my clients have my cell phone number, and I've been giving yeah. out my cell phone number for 20 years. How so. does that work? Do, do you well, feel like there's I've ever any boundary issue. issues or anything? Or? I've never had a boundary issue. Hmm. And I know, you know, there's people that have, and I don't knock anybody from for doing that, but, you know, like... I've been to doctors where they're like, listen, if you have a problem, here's my phone number. Right. Call me, you know, and I think, and I've never had to use it. Um, I think a lot of people realize there's certain boundaries. I, I'm sure there's some crazy people out there. Uh, also, know, keep in mind that we're both dudes, so we're say, probably not getting as many unsolicited dick pics as some male, people might. Yes, yeah. Being male is, Sadly. is definitely maybe a perk that I don't have to worry about that quite as sure. much. I would never ask any of my piercers to do that. Yeah, um, it's it's to me it's not a, an issue. Uh, I've had a couple of people that message me a little bit more often than mm. I prefer, and I have to just kind of put it in check and be like, listen, throttle you them know, off I a gave, little. Yeah, I gave you my number in case there's an emergency. Obviously, yeah. it's an emergency. I was like, you're you're a nice person, but mm. we're, we're we're not gonna hang out. Right, or, you know, not in that many words, but. Mm. You know, I've had to kind of push them back a little bit, like, or just pull back a little bit, not constantly jumping to every yeah every message and and responding right away, yeah. like, hey, I'm on vacation, or hey, I'm away, right. you know, I'm with my family, I'm eating dinner, I just sat down to watch a movie with my wife, can we talk about this tomorrow, maybe, message me, oh, I'm sorry, you know, mm. usually is the response I get. I, I've... Cool. I've, uh, I, I definitely don't give out my cell phone number, but I, you know, I give people my card with my email on it and I tell them like, I get push notifications on my phone. So anything comes up, like if you email me, I'm going to see the email within a few minutes. Uh, and, and sometimes I'll like for advanced stuff, I'll be like, anything comes up, you message me. And then I regret it sometimes because people message me and it's like, if if it was a, if it was a serious issue, no problem. Like I'm going to get back to you. Uh, you know, if you message me at two in the morning, being like, you know, you did my ampling uh, 18 <laughs> hours ago and it's still bleeding. Like, what, yeah. you know, uh, you know that it's going to be like, a, I don't care. Three in the yeah. morning, sure. I'll be like, hey, don't worry. You're not going to die. Yes. But then I've, lately I've been getting people where they, they email me so much about like things that just aren't, aren't a thing. And yes. it's like, I'm going to answer you, but like I'm going to give you a, a two-sentence answer. So, yeah, I mean, I, I still have people that come in like, well, you know, were you sleeping on it? Mm. What were you putting on it? 
oh, I, I got this stuff last time. Like, cool, remember when I told you not to put this on it? Yeah. I gave you the brochure that says not to put this on it. I feel like that's always like, going to be a part of our job. You have my though. phone number if you have a problem. Yeah. Or like, oh, you know, well, I didn't know what to do and this shop was open. I just went in there. And right. it's like, meanwhile, they just like completely butchered you. But yeah. you had my cell phone number. Right. Like, I gave it to you for that reason. Lately, so. I've been I've been telling people... Uh, here are all of the aftercare instructions I'm going to give you. And here is my card. When your friends or when websites try to steer you in a different direction and say, don't do that, do this, just do me a favor and email me first. And I will go into as much detail as you want explaining why you don't want to do that thing and why you want to just do the thing that we walked through. And I've been getting a pretty good pretty good response from that. But yeah. still, like, I don't I don't think we'll ever be the, able to get people The flip side of that foolproof. is when you go through the whole brochure basically yourself and mm-hmm. you're like, don't do this and don't do this and you want to do this and if yeah. it does this, you know, you can sit there and I, I can't tell you how many times I watch people's eyes just glaze over. Sure. And, and then five minutes later, so what do I do again? So what am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. So now like, I give them the packet and I just say, give this a good read through when you get home and then I give them like, I try to, I try to limit my aftercare speech to like 30 seconds or yeah. less. Because, yeah, the same thing, like, after a while, they're just going to stop listening. And then I try to just, like, drive home the fact of, like, you have access. You can come in for a checkup anytime. You can call anytime during business hours. You can email me. I will give you any any additional information you want. But still, just please read this thing. Please read this thing. You just paid $400 for a piercing. I would really like it if you took care of it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, I do the same thing, especially, like, downsizes, like, listen... This is going to, it's long. It's going to take up all this room because of its swelling. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously if it takes up more room, it gets painful. This is my phone number. This is my, call me right away. We'll put a longer piece of jewelry in. Otherwise, you need to come back in four yeah. weeks for a checkup. Right. Because if you don't, I can tell you right now that that beautiful piercing that I just put my heart and soul in mm-hmm. is going to start pointing at the ceiling right. and it's going to make me really, really, really sad. Yeah. yeah. Never mind you that you just spent $300 for. It's yeah. going to make me really sad because I know what energy I put into this right. and it's just, it's ruined, you know? I, I, <laughs> and they're I mean, like, oh, okay. And they always, they're, they'll come back, you know, they'll get home and I'll see yeah. my appointment pop up for a month from now. Like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> score. Yeah. Well, whatever you can do, like I, I, I think a lot of people struggle with. I, w- I was at Pleasurable Piercings in New Jersey the other day, and they were saying that like they have really awesome retention for people coming in and doing their downsizes when they're supposed to, and you know they do a lot of things that I, th- I thought I was currently doing or that I was doing in the past, and I just maybe I'm just not applying them as efficiently as they are or something, but. Uh, downsizes can still be tough. I have people come in where they, they come to get something new and I'm like, Hey, who did that super crooked piercing you have? And they're like, Oh, you did two years ago. And I'm like, cool. Awesome. You never came back for your downsize. Did you? And, you know, and yep. so it's like, we can try to fix it now, but it's probably not going to be See, easy. For me, like I'd say, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even know. I, I want to say maybe 50% of people come in for downsize, mm. but I'm in a huge tourist area. So I don't get a lot of repeat customers anyways, but I hand out a lot of cards and tell people where to go. So I'm hoping they kind of go where they're supposed to. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> where I, ref- where I refer-, refer people to. But, yeah. I mean, the people that are, are regulars know, like, yeah. hey, come yeah. back. And, you know, or sometimes they'll come in for a new piercing. Like, we did that, like, three months ago. You haven't been back for a checkup. 
let me take a look at that. Oh, yeah. we need to down. Oh, really? Like, mm. yeah, remember I told you a month from now? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You told me. I forgot all about that. Cool. You know? The referrals thing is is cool because I think it gives you, it gives you a little bit of extra kind of credibility. Oh, yeah. Being like, you know, Love that. hey, like, you know, yep. like a lot of times, especially this time of year, yep. it's like, Oh yeah, make sure you come back in you know a month or six weeks or something for a checkup. And they're like, yeah, I'm going off to school. And it's like, oh cool, where are you going? Yeah. And then they can they can name almost any city in the country or at least like any like region in the yeah. country. And I can be like, oh cool, I know like this person and that person yeah. and this person and this person. And you can totally go there. And then they're instantly like, okay, you're not a charlatan. You're not trying to trick me yeah. out of my money and give me this jewelry that's not really worth it. It's like, okay, there are other people out there who do the same kind of service. The, the best is when people come in yeah. from other places and I'd be like, that looks like really, you know, you instantly recognize the jewelry. Like, yeah. Instantly. Oh, yeah. And it looks like a really well-placed piercing. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, where'd you get that done at? Oh, I, you know, I live in New Hampshire. Like, I bet Ryan Willette did that for yeah. you. Did oh, wow, really? You yeah. know my piercer? Like, and it just they just light up. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow, like yeah, dude. I, we get that, and then like friends. people come in or like on a vacation or something. Like, oh yeah, I got yeah. referred here, and they they told me to tell you hi, and it's like it's just it's it's really it's so much easier at that point because yeah. you know that it's like okay, they care enough to go to a piercer yeah. who was referred to them. Uh, so chances are like they're gonna know at least something about aftercare and jewelry and this and that. And it's just so much. It's so much easier to work. Less with work. Them. Yeah, it's it definitely less work, but it's also just, I think it kind of uh, like unlocks opportunities where you can be like, you know what, totally. let me like talk to you about like maybe a, a different tweak or a twist we can do and what you're asking for, or maybe try some other jewelry or a suggestion, and they're probably going to be more open to it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's so much fun. And they always love it too. Yeah, it's cool. But. Uh, so I want to talk to you about sterile gloves. Ooh, yay. Um, <laughs> why don't you just like hit me with your... Okay, hit me with the most frustrating thing you've ever heard me say about sterile gloves. Um, I think the most frustrating thing I've ever heard you say about sterile gloves is it's a matter of opinion. Right. To use sterile gloves rather than science or fact or something. At least this is what I've got. Well, to clarify, Maybe you didn't say that exactly. To clarify, but. there is science behind it, and like on a really simple level. Uh, the, the simplest thing is like, okay, if you're going to have a sterile needle where 100% of it is going to pass through a client, doesn't it make more sense to handle that sterile needle with sterile gloves? Absolutely. And in that sense, I will say 100%. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with you. Yes. But, but. On, the, <laughs> on, the, on the other side but. of it, uh, what I try to look at realistically is think of how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of piercings have been performed with a sterilized needle with non-sterile gloves that have not resulted in an infection. But if even one results in infection, or worse... Sure. Isn't it worse? I mean, in, 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 a, in the name of safety, when we go through all these yes. where we have to have a HEPA filter... Not have to. It's a suggestion. Suggestion. To have a HEPA filter in your room. Yep. And we're using jewelry that we don't have any proof is better mm-hmm. and i'm not going to go off on that tangent but you know, sort, obviously there's sort of proof but only if you're anecdotal. like listening to brian skelly very clearly anecdotally yeah you know we're using jewelry that's got to be meet these certain specifications sure. totally um you know it just to me i can't it's not opinion i feel like it's, i got you it's uh i got you it's a binary thing it's logical it's sure. yes or no like yes either you're touching a clean a sterilized object 
with non-sterile gloves, which renders it not sterile anymore, mm-hmm. or you're not. So uh, I and will. I, and I have agree. done a lot. I have done a lot of research in it. Yes, I'm um, sure you I have. Actually, <laughs> I actually have uh, the owner of a very large company's cell phone number that I talked back and forth with him Ooh. about. You know the yeah. whole like how they process exam gloves. Sure. And they don't go through any special treatments. They're not washed. I know. The boxes they're sto- stored in have not been treated. They're yep. just sitting in a dirty warehouse. Yep. You know, so like, I feel like. There's no legitimate reason nowadays to not use them. So that's that's the thing is I I would never be able realize, to provide people with a reason to not use them. That I live in the United States and we have a lot of access to other stuff and that maybe not in you other live areas. In Florida, which is one of the few states that requires yes. sterile gloves use. So the 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 main point that I would try to make is that I would never say that using sterile gloves is a bad idea. But what I would say is, is that when you think about the hard line of a minimum standard, uh, I, I still don't. I still don't think that a sterile glove is a minimum standard. I think it is a safer option. But I still think non-sterile gloves can can be a think, safe option. I think in that whole argument, we can go back to jewelry. Yeah. I think that using. Step down jewelry could be a minimum standard. I would have I would have agreed with you ten years ago, but now I don't. But exactly, but sure. ten years ago. Sure. So ten years from now, we're going to get sterile gloves as a minimum standard. Not if I can help it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Yes. It's it, there's there are similar arguments. So Only I the, feel like there's more medical science to back up using sterile gloves if you look at similar procedures like inserting catheters you have to wear sterile gloves but that's because it goes into the bladder and there's a higher chance of infection and a needle or and an object going into your body very superficial so but but here's the thing is you hope it's superficial most of my logic (laughs) well most of my logic doesn't revolve around I'm trying to talk people out of sterile gloves. Mm. The only thing I'm trying to say is to widen someone's perspective when they're on like the you have to use sterile gloves is mm-hmm. just to widen the perspective to say there are very good piercers who work very safe, who have healthy piercings, healthy clients who pierce without sterile gloves. And I just don't want to get to a point where I'm creating a line mm-hmm. that says the people over here are the only safe ones and the people over but, here which are the vast majority are not safe we we had that line 10 years ago with step down jewelry i don't i don't think it was the same because if you if you look at jewelry i would say that i was working below minimum standard when it mm-hmm. came to jewelry because i was using step down jewelry before that i was using external thread jewelry and there's there's no doubt there that that is unsafe jewelry in in my perspective i'm i'm sure that if there are people listening right now in europe or the uk that are using ca- cannulas and all that they're going to they're going to have their own personal opinion on it mm-hmm. uh, but still i as someone who i would never perform a piercing in my studio without sterile gloves at this point Mm-hmm. Uh, my other piercer is also using sterile gloves for every single piercing at this point. But when I look at other piercers that I know who are APP members, who are, you know, have been board members and, and are members of other organizations around the world and they're they're not using sterile gloves, I still I still can't 
I can't look them in the eye and tell them that they're being unsafe. All I can say oh, I is mean, that I can't either because right. I just know that it would come back and bite me. It's not. It's not even that though. It's but, not. It's not like a on a personal like like out of a respect thing. Like I just feel like you know there's some there's some very well known, very highly respected that I highly respect. It's not about the. It's not about the. That don't. It's not about the stature. Never, yeah. It's not about the stature. It's really just about. It's difficult because I'm not trying to say if you use sterile gloves, stop using sterile gloves. And I'm not trying to say if you're working towards sterile gloves, don't worry about it. Keep going. Like I would say that sterile gloves are safer, but they are not the minimum standard of safety. They they are they can be a personal preference minimum standard, but I would still say that if if people are are using non-sterile gloves correctly, they are maybe not working in best practices and they are not working in the safest manner, but they can meet minimum standards for safety. Currently. Yes, currently. But I I really don't think <laughs> I really don't think it would be realistic to impose a sterile glove requirement on on the industry because maybe Maybe more than 10 years from now, maybe eventually uh, people will come around to it. But I think that there are so many different things that are on a person-to-person basis. If if people are buying sterile gloves uh, and they are, they're not using them in the correct way, then they're not using sterile gloves. Like... The, the whole concept of sterile gloves requires yes no. that they're being applied correctly. So, theoretically speaking, going back to what I said about, you know, the way they're stored and the way they're handled, mm-hmm. sterile gloves are handled and manufactured in a completely different way. Yeah, sure. To make the whole... So, even hypothetically speaking, if you did not know how to put sterile gloves on properly, mm-hmm. you're still starting off at a better... With a cleaner, on a better yeah. foot than yep. just using a box of exam gloves that have been sitting... Who knows where in a factory for in Malaysia how long. for six but months? But even yeah. yeah, you know the box has been sitting there. It's dirty. The gloves themselves haven't been treated anyway. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in a in a tattoo shop. Who knows what is going on if they're, you know, like I keep my exam gloves in a drawer out of the elements that I use for like you know, handling jewelry or prepping my clients or whatever. Um, but not everybody may do that. It might be just sitting on a shelf next to the sink or, mm. you know, and if you do that, no offense. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? Whereas a sterile glove is individually packaged, sure. it's wrapped, it's already been processed. So even if I put them on incorrectly, maybe I break sterilization, maybe mm. I, you know, contaminate, so to speak, my sterile field. It's mm. still starting off on a better foot than sure. using an exam glove. Sure. So I will completely agree with that. Uh, like when it, when it comes to a lot of these different things, I don't have, I don't have any argument against it. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to have people step back from their, their own perspective Mm -hmm. and just, uh, look at certain things where, uh, there are, there are plenty of things that I even do in my own studio where I can look at it and be like, well, why, why wouldn't I do this? Like, you know, I, like you, you watched me do a piercing mm-hmm. today. I put down a non-sterile dental mm-hmm. bib and then I put my, my prep packs on top of that mm-hmm. and opened those and worked off of the prep packs and all that stuff. Um, but it's like, if you, if you look at it and say, well, why don't you use a sterile, sterile field, sterile drape instead of the dental bib? And like, that would be safer, but it's still, I would say like, but I'm, I'm working to what I consider to be a very safe practice, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and there can always be room for improvement. And I think sometimes when... But, I mean, uh, just to 
pause for a second. You're not working off, just to clarify, off oh, yeah, sure. exactly the drape. You're yeah, working yeah. out of a prep pack. Yeah. So you're still working inside of a sterile field. You're I just am. not using the gloves sterile field. Sure. Say. Yeah, yeah, so totally. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't... So if I, if I look at what I did 15 years ago, like, everything was just, like, completely sure. negating all the, the sterilization practices and that I did. And nobody died. Right, and nobody died. But I mean still like that's that alone is not a good enough excuse. <laughs> just the whole like, well, I've never given anybody infection, that's that's not valid. That's just something that Correct. I try to say as like perspective. Yeah. But like if you look at if you look at a, at a studio that's only been doing sterile gloves for like maybe a few years. Like for me, I've only been doing sterile gloves for <laughs> four four years, maybe five years out of a twenty year career. So in, in that sense I can say like, okay, the line before and the line after, like you know, was I working unsafe or am I just working safer now? So it's, you know, that can be a little bit vague and ambiguous, but I still, I still think that sterile gloves are exceeding a minimum standard rather than creating the minimum standard. Uh, and I know that when people are already at that level and they're already comfortable and they're already focused and, and thinking on that level mm-hmm. to make the conscious decision to step backwards from that, which is not what I'm advocating, but mm-hmm. to make that conscious decision to step backwards can be like painful. Like I've, I've had, I've had con- like we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. I've had conversations with Jeff Saunders and I've had conversations with Brian Skelly where it's like, it's almost like I can see like their, <laughs> their CPU rebooting, you know? And they're just like, but, but, you know? And it's like, I, I, I totally get it that like, mm-hmm if you've made conscious decisions and steps and you've done research and all that stuff, like it, it pains you to think of a world where people aren't doing those same things. Just like for me, if somebody was like, Oh yeah, you know, external threat is fine. And you know, you can just use just an alcohol wipe to prep and you can just, you know, you can use a, a, you can use a top load autoclave where the packages come out wet and it's not a big deal. You know, like those things I'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, but you can't. So it's like, I, I get how frustrating my argument about sterile gloves can be um but again i'm not advocating for people to stop using sterile gloves or not move forward with them if they're capable of moving forward with them financially or whatever else i get that and and i know you like to play devil's advocate and i know like i said earlier um we're kind of privileged being here in the u.s because we have access to things that you know maybe people outside of the u.s don't you know i know I, i can only assume i haven't been there but south america latin america if you will you know some of these smaller countries in in eastern europe you know it might be a lot harder to get access to that or they they might just be cost prohibitive yeah i mean for us to expect or want them to meet minimum jewelry standards which at this point is is very very difficult for people outside of the United States. It's an American you know, standard. It's yeah. an American standard that we're imposing on the rest of the world and yes. it's like but that's the same it's the same kind of argument because like when you you're, you're going to come to BMXnet, you're going to yep. you're going to see it, you're going to hear people's uh uh apprehension to fall in with like an American style of industry because like we are very much American style piercers like US style piercers Um, so over there you'll have lots of people where they'll be like you know the line of a good piercer is does the piercing look good does the piercing heal and like those those are the those are the lines for success not like you know, and, what and kind I, of gloves and, and what kind of needle and what kind of jewelry. and Just yeah. because you're wearing sterile gloves using the best jewelry, an metal or BVLA or whatever. You know, I've seen 
I'm sure you've seen them too, posted on Facebook, you yep. know, some really just busted piercings. And that piercer is doing everything according to standards, mm. but it's just, you know, the piercing itself is just... Yeah. You're going, shaking your head, looking at the screen like, why? Right. And 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 beyond why, why would you post that? Right. You well, know, so like, in, in so an I, example... I get it. It's not just, you know, just doing these things is not going to make you a better piercer. Sure. I think everything has to go hand in hand to be a good piercer. It does. You know? But like the, to use that as a good example, if I saw someone... Uh, and they were, you know, they had really amazing jewelry, but they, they couldn't do a straight piercing and all that stuff. Like, my, my first questions for people or my first constructive criticism isn't going to be like, well, are you using sterile gloves? You know, it, it would be like, you know, okay, do you understand anatomy? Do you understand bevel Absolutely. theory? What kind of needles are you using? Like, you know, do you know how to really use a, a piercing needle and all these things? And, like, I, I would say that there are a lot of other things that would be higher on my priority list than sterile gloves, you know? So it would be jewelry sterilization, needle sterilization, uh, needle quality, skin prep, uh, cross-contamination, you know, all, all those different things. And then like I would say, like I would say once you have all of those things understood and controlled, then it's like, okay, sterile gloves and sterile <laughs> See, drapes. It's funny. And for, for me, it's, I won't say opposite, but I'm going to circle back to jewelry again because mm -hmm. that's the easy analogy. Um, I feel like and I've, I've done this, I've, I've, I don't want to say mentored, but I've helped guide a, a, a good amount of piercers mm -hmm. since I've really been woke, if you will, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, into how to, how the steps to take to, to really get to our level. Is that, is that, I definitely don't it? want to use that because like, let's just say to get to the level that you'd want to, to be at. Standards. Because, like, sometimes I still feel like I'm not even at... Oh, totally agree. Like, whatever level I want to be absolutely. at. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, to, to help guide people to meet standards. Maybe to be an APP member, if that's what sure. they go for. And my, my usual starting place is don't even look at jewelry, because jewelry is that, that big, huge, monster investment that everybody looks at and goes, there's no way in hell I can do that. Mm. Like, I... You know, and and I look back and go, wow, man! I remember when spending three hundred dollars a month on jewelry was like, whoa! And now I'm like, that's one piece of jewelry for me. You know, so like, would you? So rather... I start people. My first thing is like, okay, are you sterile using gloves. sterile gloves? Right. Are you using a? You know, what are you using to prep? Mm -hmm. How are you processing your jewelry? How mm -hmm. are you processing your tools? And I go through all the little things they can tick off. One at a time that isn't a huge investment. Sterile mm -hmm. gloves is not a huge investment. Yeah. There's so many places you can buy sterile gloves from that it's just there there's no good argument about like, oh it costs too much. It really doesn't. And it's gonna be beneficial. If people and do it's the just work. Another, yeah. It's another thing they can sure. take off while they're preparing themselves to, to get the to make the switch from sure. externally threaded or even internally threaded, but maybe not verifiable mill certs or sure. you know whatever so you would rather but, see someone use sterile gloves with external jewelry than non-sterile gloves with honestly, like yes. fancy internal yes. okay because right. i feel like in the short run yeah i mean how many people did you pierce in and i think you've been piercing as long as i have 20-ish right? years yeah, yeah i'm at 20 years this year yeah. so how many people did you pierce with externally threaded jewelry a lot that never had any problems. Well, know? no, like, well they they saying? did like, they did, but they had different kinds of problems. Yeah, they had more scarring and more problems and slower healing piercings and stuff like that. Uh, and I would say that now, like if I if I dropped sterile gloves tomorrow, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and went back to non-sterile gloves. I I really don't know that I would. And, but mm-hmm. let me quantify <laughs> this before I say the next sentence out loud. Uh, I would. I am not. I am never going to drop sterile gloves. Sure. But if I drop sterile gloves tomorrow, I don't know that I would see scarring and healing problems and, and this and that that I would see if I dropped the level of jewelry that I use. You know. I, I mean, maybe not scarring, but you might see a, a more, I don't know, I think you, you might possibly see more, not, I don't want to say infections, but more complicated, more short-term complicated. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And just even, I mean, I've seen where there's sometimes where I'll go to switch out a piece of jewelry, not necessarily use sterile gloves, uh, because I thought it was a healed piercing, and maybe... It was irritated and I didn't realize it and then I put it in and then they come back, you know, a couple of weeks later and there's, you know, why does it look this way? Mm. Well, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to say that it's my fault, but I, it's that, uh, that elephant in the room, that mm. thing in the back of my head where I'm like, you know, I wonder if I used sterile gloves instead of those exam gloves, mm. would it have made a difference? You know, was it not healed enough for me to use exam gloves? Mm. You know, like did I mess up? You know, it's just one of those extra things that you can cross off. Like, sure. yep, did this. Sure. Definitely not from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, because I've been a, a, a transitional piercer for most of my career, like I'm, I'm always trying to get a little bit better. Sure. Uh, and, but I've still been really resistant to things for a long time. You know, there have been points where I was, I was resistant to sterile gloves for a while and it wasn't because I had any argument against them. It was just because I was annoyed by so many piercers being like, you got to use sterile gloves. And I'd, <laughs> and I'd be like, cool, why? And they'd be like, well, just because it's better. And I'd be like, just, Brian said so. just give me any. Uh, yeah, so I, I would, I'm not, I'm not going to question somebody like Brian because he is definitely more educated than I am, you know. Uh, but in situations like that where if people were like, you got to have this, you got to have this. You know, I, I went along with it at a peer pressure at first. Yeah. And then once I got used to it for a couple of months, then it was like, oh, yeah, I should have been doing this years ago. Like, I'm, I'm, I feel so much cleaner. I can feel so much more confident in, in all these different things. And I, ne- I could never see myself going back from it. I could never see having other people uh, use them in my studio. I mean, ha- having other people not use them in my studio. Mm-hmm. Because up until maybe like... A year or two ago, I didn't even make it mandatory for my other piercer in the studio because he was a newer piercer, and I was thinking like, you know, when you feel like you're ready, you just switch over to sterile gloves when you want. And then I was like, why are we waiting? Just you're awesome. Just use just use sterile gloves. Like why why wouldn't you yeah. use them? So I don't I really don't have an argument against them, um, but I still I still have that little twinge in the back of my mind where it's like if you're training a piercer and you think that they're still going to be maybe like fumbling a little bit, you know, or uh, cross-contaminating or something like that, like, do you really need the sterile gloves? And I can totally see your side of it. It's like, yeah, but you're starting with a cleaner baseline. Yep. So if they don't make those mistakes, you're still going to have a cleaner glove. Yes. And if they do make those mistakes, you're still going to have a cleaner yes. glove. So I completely like, see I mean, my, my current apprentice, that was, I think we spent probably two or three weeks just her putting on sterile gloves, mm-hmm. practicing. Open the package. Make sure you put them on mm. this way, you know, one glove, the other glove, how to how to actually put them on aseptically. It's like, it's a big thing, yep. you know, and um, I didn't burn through like 50 sterile gloves to do mm. it. You know, we just like open the package, fold it back, put it right. back, you know, and, and pretend like we're reopening it. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes every now and then. Right. You know, I you? might drop I mean, something. In the every piercer part. will. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. I just feel like it's happen. it's just it's a you're starting with a cleaner slate mm-hmm. to begin with, regardless of whether you accidentally do something. Um, it's still a cleaner slate, so why wouldn't you? Sure. You know, like I'm going through all this trouble to do everything else. Mm-hmm. There's three things that that literally come in contact with the whole piercing that you know the jewelry is sterile, single package. We don't bulk sterilize. 50, you know, navel curves and then pull one out of a box and put it in somebody. Yeah. You know, the needles are all single sterilized. We don't Mm -hmm. sterilize 50 needles and then pull one out of a box and stick it through somebody. Right. So why wouldn't the gloves? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Those Mm -hmm. are the three things that are direct, you know, and yes, we don't work in a sterile environment. Um, That customer's probably going to go and put her shirt down over her freshly pierced navel piercing. Mm -hmm. When she gets home, but even still, I know that it didn't come from me, mm-hmm. and I know that I did everything in my best interest to make sure that that piercing experience was yeah. the cleanest that I'm capable of giving. So at this point, there there are a lot of things where <clears throat> if I if I would if I were to go back in time uh, and and not like in in this sense of like ten years ago, Ryan and mentor him and say, okay, Ryan, these are all the things that you're going to want to do better. Um, if I, if I try to go back and I just look at what I was doing then versus what I'm doing now, uh, I have constantly tried to say, okay, how can I make it just a little bit safer? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things, I would say, if you removed certain elements, it's not like people are going to die, but still all of those things are are creating a safer process. Like sterile drapes. Like I know Mm -hmm. plenty of piercers that use sterile gloves, but still don't use sterile drapes. And it's like, I see the videos you're posting and you're contaminating your gloves the entire way. Yeah. It's pointless. And then like, uh, or they'll put a drape on, but it's like a two by two piece of gauze that just barely fits around the ear that, you know, it's like cool, but you just, you know, what was the point when your finger just touched their hair? Like Like a big thing that I did just recently was uh, when the whole gentian violet scare happened, (laughs) like that that week-long gentian violet scare. (laughs) Gentian gate. Uh, So what I was doing before is I would would pre-mark and then I would have the client check it, then I would clean the skin, and then I would remark, mm-hmm. to reinforce the mark with the same toothpick with mm-hmm. gentian violet, you know, and uh, for I did that for years. I did that for so long that I never even really paid attention to it anymore. It was just like a, just like, oh yeah, whatever. And then when that whole thing happened, it just made me kind of like re-examine it and be like, I don't do need really? to do that. Why do I need to do that? Like sure. I can still see the mark and if I need to reinforce it, I can use the back of the needle or something you know sterile something if i have to but it's like why do i why am i even doing that so i think sometimes when i think about sterile gloves it's really just because i'm not i'm not looking at it from a piercer who's just kind of starting out or starting fresh or thinking about different foundations i'm thinking about this piercer who worked for 15 years out of out of a 20-year career with Mm -hmm. non-sterile gloves so it's like oh it's fine because i'm going to do this and that and whatever but I've changed so many little things and made so many little tweaks that I don't see like the whole process anymore. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, you know, oh yeah, there's this and there's that and there's that and I've done these little things to improve it, but none of that was my my foundation. And, and so I have these bias, yeah. these biases uh, where, uh, it's biases or biases? Uh, Those I think things. it would be biases. Bias. Sounds. Uh, against biases. Um, pet peeves. Pet peeves where uh, I just don't look at you know, it's the whole like forest for the trees kind of yeah. thing. You know, I just don't see the things that I'm doing anymore. I'm just yeah. going through the motions sometimes. And I, I think that can be a negative sometimes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
still frustrated by my concept of sterile gloves? Uh, not necessarily. I feel like you've kind of... You can admit it. No. Okay. It was just... There was one episode where yeah. you were like... I think it's just an opinion, and I was like, no! <laughs> so, okay, I'll, I'll clarify to say that uh, you, you you can actually measure the safety of sterile gloves because, like you said, you're starting with a cleaner base point. Um, like, even if you uh, even if you use non-sterile gloves perfectly and you, you don't cross-contaminate anything, just the fact that you're touching the needle with a non-sterile glove is a cross-contamination. Yeah, so like I, I will completely cede that point, um, but I will. S- <laughs> yes, I, I won. <laughs> let's not go that far. But I could, I could still, I could still say that um, for the piercers out there who are using non-sterile gloves, I would say you don't suck. Exp- see, see, we're finding middle. We're finding common ground here. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you. Middle you don't ground suck, here. There can be can very be safe piercers. But yeah, but if you're a safe piercer, try to be a safer piercer is uh, the goal that if, if there's like a point to, the, to this and where we kind of come around and we have like the tagline for it is just like, yes, you can be a safe piercer with non-sterile gloves, but you can be a safer piercer with sterile gloves. Correct. See? I'll, I'll give you that one. We found common ground. Yeah, I, I figured we would. Um, so... Uh, let me ask you this, and if you don't want to talk about it, I can just clip sure. it out of the episode. Are you doing septum piercings now? <laughs> oh, we can definitely talk about this. Let's talk I'm about it. Shy. Let's talk about it. Uh, I am not doing septum piercings. Okay. Give me a little bit of your, your uh, reasoning as to why. So, septums are something I've struggled with ever since I started. Yeah. Like, um, and I don't know if it's necessarily the lack of proper technique that I was taught. You know, um, I... To go back, I had a very quick apprenticeship. Um, I was basically, I think, apprenticing for maybe six months before the main piercer that I was, my mentor, was going out of town and the boss was like, well, uh, she's gone, so you've got your first day by yourself. Congratulations, you're a piercer. Mm. I was like, uh, you know, it kind of made me nervous, but then I was excited because I was like, cool, I can stab people full time, not supervised. But... I had already been, like, I was a BME kid. I was every waking moment living, breathing, eating, piercing. Like, I would stay up till 3, 4 in the morning just talking on BME. How do you eat piercing? <laughs> you take a big chunk okay. out of your conch. <laughs> oh, God. I, I did that. <laughs> okay, so I've eaten piercing then. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, everything was piercing for me for... The two years before I was an apprentice. So when I actually got to be an apprentice, it was like the stuff she was telling me, I already knew. Like, I already knew what size I should start with for a tongue or, you know, what barbell should go in a navel piercing, or at least I thought I did. Right. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of more than just push a needle, follow jewelry. And I'd done many jewelry changes. That was like the bulk of what I did during my apprenticeship was just changing jewelry. So I, I was given an apprenticeship, or I was given my first day as a piercer and that was it i was a piercer so um the way that i was taught to do them i don't even remember it was i want to say a needle and a cork because that's how we did mm. all our piercings um i was never actually taught how to use clamps because that was just not what we did like that was our our shop thing was like we were freehand piercers so okay. clamping hurts right 
you know, in which the shops that were around me at the time, I would totally agree clamping hurts. Sure, yeah. They squish down those, they lock them. You know, I saw many, many, many bruises and imprinted. I did that to plenty yeah. of people when I was it's using clamps. Yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I was taught to basically shove a. I think it was a, yeah, it was a natural quirk at the time up somebody's nostril and then take the needle and just. Poof. Right. And so I did that one time, and it hit one of those little holes in the cork, and went right through the cork and right out of his nostril. Mm. And uh, that pretty much scarred me for life, I think, because after that I started second guessing everything. Um, and I don't think I was ever really shown like what the sweet spot is or how to find a sweet spot. So mm-hmm. when I started, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, that was my phone. No worries. Uh, so when I started actually trying to improve myself, um, I had to go back to square one and really think about how to do it. And it was like, no matter what I do, I just can't get them straight. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a lack of depth perception, if it's a visual thing. Um, I do know that... Do you have any sort of visual impairments? I do. I have something called um, convergence insufficiency, mm-hmm. meaning like my eyes don't like to work together okay. properly. Um, so it does mess up like my depth perception. It messes up my... Um, um, my focus, like if mm. I stare at something, my eyes go blurry like pretty quickly, mm. and it's really hard for me to get them not blurry again. And it's not something that that glasses can fix or surgery. It's something that you have to do like eye exercises or something. I don't know. I went to an eye doctor, and she was like, "Pay me two thousand dollars and come to me three times a week." And I was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen." Yeah. Um. So yeah. So. Uh, for me, I know when I do piercings, I need like a target. Mm. And so doing septums without I like clearly don't distinguished have a marks, so right. I can't see where the needle's going in very mm. easily, and I can't see where it's coming out. Yeah. So no matter how I do, and I've tried clamps. Uh, ask Luis Garcia. He came down and did a seminar for me a couple times, and uh, I opened my little bin of tools that I never use, and I pulled out probably twelve different kinds of septum clamps. And he's like, "Yeah, you really do have every clamp," and and some I've never seen before. You yeah. Know? So. I've tried every sort of clamp. Um, I've done the telescopic 16, 14, 12, mm. 10, 8, whatever, however right. you want to do it. Um, and it just, it never seems to come out straight. And maybe it's me being a little bit too critical because I'm super critical of myself. Like, everything has to be perfect. You're a piercer. Or I we're, just, we're, like, we're usually pretty hard on ourselves. I don't sleep at night, you yeah. know? Um, so, for me, it just, it, it's just gotten to this point where I just never like doing it every time somebody mm. walk in and they'd say that dreaded s word i mean instantly cold sweats you know anxiety yeah i have bubble guts you know run to the bathroom throw up poop at the same time yeah. whatever you know like <laughs> uh and then uh the the final straw was i had a client that i did i was just like okay cool you seem cool your septum's perfectly straight you know it's not deviated at all which Probably deviate septum's a little bit easier because you can, you know, just brush it off as like, yeah, it's deviated. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get straighter than that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was perfect. Uh, she really, really wanted it. So I was like, cool, here's the deal. I call it a 50-50 piercing because 50% of the time it comes out straight the first try. 50% of the time it's going to take me another stab, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if you're down for it, cool. If not... I don't mind. Here's where I would recommend you go. Mm. She's like, no, 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 I want you to do it. I love you. You're awesome. Blah, 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 blah. I trust you. So I pierced it, came out crooked, pulled it out, stopped her from bleeding. I was like, all right, we're going to have to do it again. 
The thing is, is I had her laying down because uh, I'm short. In case nobody realized, I'm not six foot tall. They don't call me shorty because I'm tall. Right. I'm 4'11". Uh, so I had her laying down, and I thought that I had stopped the bleeding, but I guess it was bleeding into her mouth. Yeah, like down tasting. her throat. Yeah. yeah. But she didn't say anything to me. Right. Um, and then, uh, so I, I stopped it. I got lined up. I got to do the second push. As I go to the second push, she, like, starts to raise her arm in this weird, like, I don't know, not natural kind of thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she starts shaking and I, you know, I realized that her eyes had, like, rolled back in her head, and she was, like, she passed out right there on the table. So I'm like, great, awesome. Push the taper through, take the needle, push the jewelry in, and then just, like, you know, hold her steady. And her friend, meanwhile, is just losing it. And I've been doing this for so long that it doesn't phase me when somebody starts to pass out mm. or whatever. And it's a very quick kind of, like, it sounds like a lot of steps, but it was like, bam, bam, bam. You know, got the uh, ammonia inhalant, cracked it under her nose. She woke up, had no idea what was going on. And that was enough for me to be like, yep, I pretty much don't ever want to touch a septum again. Oof. So yeah. it's just, uh, it's an anxiety thing. And I've done a couple since then, and they've all pretty much turned out well. My second worst nerve-wracking experience, but luckily it came out perfect, was when my, my uh, she was 15, 14 at the time. Daughter asked me to do it, and I was just like... How do I tell my daughter no? Right. You know, like, go to somebody else. <laughs> like, how does that make me look? You yeah. know? Um, luckily, I did it perfectly straight. I almost messed it up because I did the telescopic kind of deal, and I went to pull... I think I pulled the... I don't know, the needle out of the blank, or so, somehow the needle ended up out of her nose mm -hmm. uh, with no jewelry in it, and there was no taper behind it, but luckily I had the taper sitting there, so the taper... But I thought I was going to have to re-pierce her, and she was kind of freaking out for yeah. a second, but it, I was able to taper it back in, but that was... She was the last septum I did, and that was, I think, two years ago. Um, it's just not something I... You know, I don't enjoy it. Listening listening to you and just seeing the tension <laughs> in your body from the, you just explaining it makes me anxious It's about just, it. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. Most of the time, I feel like I'm probably going to have to do it a second time. I feel really guilty charging somebody to pierce them twice, even though I know that we're not robots and mistakes mm. happen. But I want to compensate. It's just my natural kind of feeling is like, if I didn't do my job to the best of my ability, the last thing I want to do is charge you full price mm -hmm. for it. Um, I don't want you to tip me for it. So, like, it becomes a point where it's, like, it's not making me money. It's costing me money to do sure. it. So why would I want to continue doing it? Mm -hmm. I think some of the, the best piercers that I've ever met come from a place of being, like, a perfectionist. <clears throat> but it's, like... You're not trying to impress other people. You're just trying to work to your own standard. And when Correct. you when you're doing something where you don't feel like you're even meeting your own standards, you just get so torn apart over it. Like I've I've had that. Like you know mm -hmm. I, I've had I've had points in my career where um, it would be impossible for me to do a crooked septum, and then I've had the other side of it where it's impossible sure. for me to do a good septum, sure. where I've just gone back and forth and back and forth at points in my career. Now, like luckily for, for quite a while, I've been in this comfort zone where like I'm doing them with clamps now mm -hmm. and like I feel like I'm giving people good results and maybe not a hundred out of a hundred are perfect, but I don't have any that are like so bad where it's like, oh my God, I'm terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is because like, you know, I, I do an evaluation, I look at the person's nose and I'm like, okay, 
if it's at a certain point of being a wacky nose, then it's like, you know what, let's wave this off, let's not do it. Not that I'm going to just turn everybody away for it or something like that, but I've been, I've been fortunate the last couple of years with my septums. And whenever I teach my septum class, which I'm doing this weekend again in, in Chicago, people always seem to expect there to be like the the secret recipe mm -hmm. for them like you know the magic tool right magic right at the, the beginning trick yeah. of the presentation I, I put it out there and I'm like there is no secret there is no secret yeah. it's just like you you apply the steps the same and what you was, just want to understand what was the, the name of the class that you guys taught it was like the best name of ever, any class ever at conference. where skill meets luck yes yeah it's exactly that's in a nutshell sometimes where yep. skill meets luck Right, because you can even you can still go to a class. You can you can watch videos of the best piercers doing mm -hmm. the best septums, and you can just you can try to copy it, and you can even have it down, and you can nail it. Mm -hmm. But then there's just going to be that one time where just like something slips up, you know, and it's not even something you can quantify. It's not the person didn't flinch, you know, you mm -hmm. didn't have a, a kinked needle, you didn't. There wasn't some mysterious deviation yeah, that you didn't notice. It, it just doesn't yeah. come out perfect sometimes, and yeah. it's like. When you get when you get in this phase where you feel like it's impossible for you to nail it, you know, mm -hmm. and that they're all going to be like that, you kind of it's like a it's like a self fulfilling prophecy where it's yeah. like they don't come out good because you're so nervous yep. and you're second guessing your angles and yep. you're not just like allowing your body to make a smooth motion. You're you're kind of like second guessing even the the hand motions you make and yeah, it, yeah I, I can I can and, and definitely I mean, I relate. I feel like that's where it's at because yeah. like. There's a few times where I've kind of been like, oh, I really, like, it's not that I don't want to do, like, I would love to be able to do septums. It's just that I feel like at this point, no matter what I do, it's going to be crooked and I'm going to have to re-pierce it. So it's like, I would, I mean, I would love to be able to, if I had that one thing or that guarantee where I could just push that needle through and it came out perfect every yeah. time, you know, I would totally do it. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, man. It's just not there. It's yeah. Just, uh, it's hard, and I and I go back and forth. You know, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that'll catch me at some point, and I'll be like, "Cool, let's do it." Here's the deal: I suck at them. <laughs> you know, and I tell people all the time. They call me up, like, you know, I want to get my septum pierced. How much? Well, I don't actually do that. Well, can I ask why? Because I suck. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah." Um, you know, it's it's just. The way it's it also is. a it's also a tough. It's a tough point to be a professional piercer who is a perfectionist because the the best septum piercings that you see, they always just seem so easy for the person oh, that did absolutely. it. You watch a video like in in my class, like I don't I don't do freehand piercings. So, uh, I asked uh, Julian Ganesha to mm -hmm. let me use one of his videos once and he does a freehand septum video that looks so effortless mm -hmm. and it's like I, I have tried to replicate that with horrible results you know like I see I like see these Brian, piercers have you ever seen Brian do a septum his whole no. standing to the side like it's crazy because yeah. he's like I don't even know what it was it was like an older video but he literally was like standing on the side and just like pulls down their septum and just like sticks the needle through it looks like yeah. he's just jabbing it with like a, a sword or something and it's like boom and I'm like god I wish I could do that but I, I the the more frustrating thing for me is I understand everything that they were explaining mm -hmm. about what they're doing yeah. and I still can't do it even yep. though I can replicate all the motions that they're yep. doing I still can't yeah, apply it yeah it's the same with me with receiving tubes I did okay for a while but it was hit or miss it would be yeah. like you know maybe 
ten out of out of a hundred would would be like not good looking to the point where I'd have to pull them and figure something out. Yeah. You know, now with septum clamps, like I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty consistent. Uh, and the reason I did that is because of Luis actually, because I was I was in a moment where I was like, man, should I should I just stop offering them? You know, should I wave them off to another piercer in my own shop or send them to another shop or whatever? And uh, I, that was the phase where I was like really trying to push hard to be like freehand, 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 you know. Uh, and then I was at conference and uh, Luis on social media had been posting a bunch of really nice septums. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, you know, you're Luis Garcia. Can you explain to me the probably amazing way that you do it? And I'll try to replicate that. And he was just like, septum clamps, bro. You know, and it's like in, in just that Luis way where he just, he said it so... Matter of factly. Right. Just like, like you know, uh, just just do it this way. Like, who cares what other people think? And so I went home and I just, I doubled down on septum clamps and I've gotten super, super comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've seen other piercers do them in 10 different ways and get amazing results that I just, I know yeah. wouldn't work for me. And I finally found something that does work for me. So uh, I'm, I'm comfortable, but like I can totally empathize with not really having that thing that you grabbed onto and felt natural because for so many years even the good septums i was doing didn't feel natural yeah it just felt they all felt weird yeah yeah i don't know it's just it's something that you know maybe down the road i might try again it's going to take that one person to i guess reinstill my confidence um, and, you know, like I said, I go back and forth constantly, like, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Is mm. this the one I want to try? Nope, don't feel like it today, you know? Um, and inevitably what ends up happening is I do one or two a year, and I'm like, cool, they were perfect, first try, quit while you're ahead. Right. You know, like, right. cash out, I'm done. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and it just, it happens. Um, the, the telescopic method is probably the best one I've done so far. It feels the most natural. I feel like I get the best... Um, like I, I get the I get the best control, and yeah. I can f- I can feel that it's going to be straight. For um, me, I tried the telescopic method for for a while, and uh, I got I got consistently bad results in an incredibly consistent angle, and I found out that just for me, with my with my wrist and just mm-hmm. the way that my body works, sure body mechanics threw me off where yeah. they were all crooked in the exact same way just because yep. of how my hand pushes a needle uh so you know that's a, that's another thing that piercers listening should think about is if if you see something uh that someone else executes perfectly and you try to replicate it and you don't get the same kind of results realize that not every not every hand shape not every body size not every arm length not every finger size not every everything is capable of the exact same piercing technique so try not to get too frustrated just stay open to trying new things and and looking at different ways to do them sure yeah. sure it's funny that you mentioned that too because uh my apprentice ari uh she just actually started piercing like supervised piercing on really good clients and friends and whatnot uh, and consistently she kept uh, on her, I think it was her nostrils, like they would come out kind of on the vertical side. Mm. And and I'm like super nitpicky, obviously, perfectionist, um, but especially with nostrils. Like I feel like of all the piercings, nostrils are the one that have zero forgiveness mm-hmm. for lack of angle. Like, yeah. You can it's always, not, you can tell. It's not perpendicular, yeah. you're going to get a bump. And right. it's always in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um 
and it was like we we went over and and she did a piercing and then uh i could see that it was a little bit more vertical than what i would like um but you know we just let it ride because it's a friend of hers that Mm. you know she talks to consistently so if there's a problem we just pull it and redo it yeah um but you know we went we went back and i had her practicing piercing uh, bananas and foam core and all kinds of and i just sat there and watched her over and over and over again watch her hand movement mm-hmm. watch her wrist movement and i and i kept thinking it was something with her wrist like she wasn't she was moving her wrist instead of like locking it and using her whole arm mm-hmm. or something so next piercing she actually does i sit there and i watch her and i'm I literally have her holding the needle against the skin before she pushes it, and I kind of, like, tweak her hand a little bit, just, okay, here it's straight, boom, she pierces, crooked again. I'm like, mm. why is this? And then the next piercing she ended up doing, um, I, I don't know what it was, but it clicked. The way she was holding the, the needle in her fingers, she had her middle finger a little bit lower than her thumb, mm-hmm. which was taking the needle and just kind of twisting it slightly right. inwards yeah. so no matter how her wrist her arm or anything mm-hmm. because so the needle, needle wasn't sh- yeah, yeah because she wasn't gripping the needle straight mm-hmm. her follow-through was always shoving and it was just like right. boom label but i right. never thought something even that little to the two fingers that you're holding the needle with could mm-hmm. have such a, a dire impact yeah then yeah. it made me go back and look at everything i do like well, maybe this is something I can a, a change. A trick that uh, Jesse V used to mention <laughs> is like if you feel like you're having trouble with something like that, set up a camera and record you piercing, yeah. but not yep. not like the needle break in the skin. Like just watch your body mechanics. and watch your movements. Yep. Yeah, just body mechanics and yeah, that 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 helped me a lot on a couple different piercings. It's crazy. Yeah. Such a little thing could do yeah. so much. Well, I mean, you got to think. You know, piercings are such small little things anyway. You know. One millimeter, two millimeters can make the, a world of difference between yeah. perfect and way not perfect. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's something that's messing up the symptoms. Who knows? You know? Who knows? Maybe you it just is. need like a really big stool or something. Maybe. Get like a different height perspective. Yeah. Or a lower mm-hmm. table. Yeah. Do you have people you lay or sit? Lay. Yeah. I, I have people sit because I like to just like kind of look See, face to face. See, and that's like now. another thing. Like I feel like a lot of my piercings, I feel it, like they would be better just. Because when you have them sitting face-to-face or sitting up, I feel like you have a different perspective. You're looking at things differently than when they're laying down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely don't understand how a lot of people do stuff like upside down or from the others. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember who I watched, but I watched somebody do a nostril piercing from the opposite side of the table. Mm-hmm. Like, I pierce nostrils, you know, the I'm on the side of the nostril I'm piercing. Yeah. And I've watched people having them lay down and, like, literally reaching across and starting from the opposite side and piercing inside out. Hmm. Like, and it was just the mer- most foreign. Yeah. Like, how do but you... I bet, I, but I bet to that person, it's it's the natural. most natural thing. And it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And, I, and I look at it and I'm like, wow, I don't think I can do that. Or, it's like when you watch someone left-handed <clears throat> right and you're like, how do you, how do you manage yeah. that? Yeah. Or like I had, I can't remember who it was. Somebody told me they pierced septums sideways like they have them lay down turn their head completely to the side and they basically pierce like top to bottom Hmm. you know and i'm like and they're like it's like piercing the tongue or you know whatever and i'm like i i guess but because my brain wants to look at it right this way it doesn't work like that you know like i don't know it's weird that's wacky uh i'm gonna cut it off at this point because we've been going for a while and you have a trip tomorrow? Yeah, I have to wake up in five hours. Yeah, that's Ugh. exciting. No. 
That means I have to wake up in five. <laughs> that hours means too. you. Well, you can probably wake up in five and a half hours. Okay. But I. And have I'm to just going to sit in your driveway hours. in my car and sleep. Really? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to find something to do. Fun. At five o'clock in the morning in, is it Nash? In Nashua, right? Nashua. We Not are Nashua. currently in Nashua. No, it's Nashua. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, again, for the people, uh, what's uh, shop and social media and whatnot? Shorty's Fine Jewelry and Piercing in West Palm Beach. Shorty Piercer on everything. Piercing by Shorty.com. And sterile gloves are unnecessary. Nice. <laughs> Dot com. No, just kidding. All right. Nice. Thanks for talking to me. All right, thanks for coming on and talking to me, Shorty. I really appreciate it. And I especially appreciate it when piercers talk to me honestly about their methodology, you know, uh, why they're adamant on doing a certain thing or why they've chosen to not do a certain thing. It's really important to talk about that stuff honestly and really helps a lot of other piercers. Uh, If you're also interested in helping other piercers, a good segue, uh, you can donate to the Piercers of Color Scholarship Fund. Uh, Just keep in mind that the deadline for that is the end of September, so you only have a short amount of time if you want to contribute to that pool. You can follow the link in the description on this episode. I'll put it on the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page and website, or you can just reach out and talk to Cookie Knox, uh, Cookie with a K, and talk about uh, the scholarship and, and how you can help contribute to it. Some other people who have helped and contributed to me me in the show, uh, thanks for some uh, new people who signed up on Patreon. I really appreciate it. Your money goes directly to keeping the show running. Uh, so thank you to Lynn Lohide. Lynn was on the show recently and uh, did so well that I actually uh, suggested that she record maybe a guest host episode where she's going to talk to somebody and she'll be the host rather than me. And we'll get that on here you know, sometime within the next couple of weeks or uh, you know, in the short term. And uh, thank you also to Caitlin Williams. Caitlin was one of the attendees of one of my recent seminars, and they both signed up to the Archmage tier. So thank you very much, Caitlin. Thank you very much, Lynn. I appreciate that. The uh, Patreon page, you do get some bonus content on there, not to, like, shock the world. It's, it's, it's more just, like, travelogue stuff and me just farting around with my friends, so you're not missing out on any, like, super secret piercing information. Uh, but there is some bonus information on there. If you would like to contribute to the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ryanpba. And keep in mind that I've got my classes that are open for registration, and uh, they're smaller classes, so they're tightening up pretty quickly. I've got Monday, October 28th in Fort Myers, Florida, one of the triple threat seminars. Uh, Those ones typically, you know, if we have extra time in the day too, I'm also happy to add in some extra classes. So it's scheduled to be anatomy, septums, and doth piercings, but I'm going to guess that we're going to have some time to also squeeze in my nipple piercing class, which talks about different uh, hormone replacement therapy issues, different surgical considerations, inverted nipples, all different kinds of stuff like that. So I'll make sure to drop that in for a bonus if we have any spare time. And then I've got those uh, two dates available in Atlanta for the Understanding and Applying Freehand Piercing Techniques Workshop. And I am on purpose limiting those. I'm not going to have a huge group there. It's only going to be about a dozen, maybe 15 people tops per day. So if you want to come and talk about bevel theory or needle crushing or uh, anything related to piercing needles and you know do some live exercises to practice the stuff out you do want to get your registration in quick Uh, a lot of people have been signing up for that one uh, kind of exploding on that one so i'd imagine it's going to book up pretty quickly so if you want to get your registration in for that you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars you can follow body art education by ryan willett on facebook or you can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com 
I can answer any questions or get you signed up for the class. But I'm going to stop yammering for now. I'm going to be heading out to Germany for BMX then and bringing my recorder with me. Hopefully I can get some uh, good content for you. But I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.